2: The Around the NFL podcast. Likes to pop their collar and rock a visor.
3: (laughs) Never. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. Got just one hero with me today. It's Greg Rosenthal. Mark Sessler, under the weather. Hopefully back with us during the week. Greg, never wore a visor under any circumstances, even in... The, the darkest of my bro days, uh, never a visor.
4: I think I, I, uh, I had a little two-lane visor that I would pop maybe when I'd go golfing um, in See college it. at the city courses. Uh, that's about it, though.
3: Um, this <laughs> is the—I <laughs> want a photo of that. Uh, this is the Week 10 Double Digits uh, flagship program, and, you know, one theme that was starting to come together. I want to say narrative, but narrative has been turned into this pejorative— Uh, Mm. which I don't like uh, because it's being abused. So why am I going away from it? Because then they win. But I'm going to stick with it and say a theme that had been coming together a little bit is the defenses uh, having their way uh, more often than not in 2023. Uh, This week was an exception. Eight teams, uh, Greggy, uh, today scored at least 29 points. Ten scored at least 27. We had a near 50 burger. We had multiple shootouts.
4: Uh, good stuff. We had for the first time ever five game winning field goals on the same day. Whoa. That's, that's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a pretty crazy Sunday. Uh, we weren't necessarily expecting there's some, there's some good matchups, but a lot, a lot of good game winning field goals.
3: I clocked that there were a lot. In fact, at one point we, I think we mo- changed one of our highlights because it just seemed to me there was too many game winning <laughs> 31 yarders. Um, But still, that tells you uh, the quality of the games today. Uh, So we're going to go through them all with Nick Shook Shook joining us a little bit later. Let us start where we must start. In Cincinnati, where the Cincinnati Bengals are looking to keep it rolling with Joe Burrow. But C.J. Stroud, he said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm the new guy around here. I'm the bad guy.
0: John Weeks will snap. Cameron Johnston will hold. 38-yard field goal attempt from the left hash mark for the victory for Matt Amendola.
2: Here's the snap. Here's the spot. Here's the kick. Plenty of leg. And... There's one. It's good. The Texans walk off with a win. Yes. Cincinnati. Oh, man. They take it 30-27. to 27. Matt Amendola at the buzzer. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it happens every year. Around this time of year, too, I feel like, where the, the stakes start building. There will be the color guy in the booth who just gets so caught up in the moment. He is no longer a paid employee. He's just a dude yelling, yeah, because he's happy the team he was rooting for was victorious. In this case, yes, the Texans who get a 38-yarder from Matt Amendola at the gun to beat the Cincinnati Bengals 30-27. A game in which Greg C.J. Stroud, I thought, outplayed Joe Burrow, which is... Very notable. And then you think about who Joe Burrow is, um, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. And Stroud now has kind of put a stamp on it, Greg, that he is the most exciting quarterback to enter the league since Burrow did Mm. a few years back. So this could be the first of many big-time showdowns between these guys. And I hope, I hope they uh, deliver as many classics as this.
4: And and it's the start of the, the Stroud MVP quote unquote conversation. It's we got eight weeks here, but he's in the mix leading one of the best offenses in the league over the last couple of weeks. And to win this game coming off Cincinnati's two week run where everyone left it saying, wow, the Bengals, they might beat five and three, but they also might be the best team in the NFL and not just beating them, but beating them in a shootout and beating them in a game where they put up 544 yards, Dan. And at one point, like midway through the third quarter, we're tripling the Bengals in total yardage. Yeah, they could not stop Stroud and they could not stop the running game. Devin Singletary
3: for the Texans. This has been a a major issue for Houston all season long. They have not been able to move the ball on the ground. Uh, not the case in this game. Singletary goes for 150 yards, averaging five yards a pop. And it felt that way. It felt like every time he touched the ball, it was five yards, seven yards, 11 yards. Uh, so he has the big day. Noah Brown is, I don't know. He, he's unlocked something here with CJ Stroud. That was not going on with Dak Prescott and Dallas seven for 172. He had 150 plus last week as well. Um, you have, Tank Dell putting the uh, roller skates uh, on a cornerback and scoring a touchdown in this game. And the fact that they... And we're gonna, we'll get into, like, all the, the different, like, how this game came down to the wire, but Houston also um, gave up the ball multiple times on the Cincinnati side of the field on turnovers. So that they, they, they really very rarely, rarely were stopped by Cincinnati's defense, and, and most notably the exception being... A pick six that Stroud throws, that was a stunner because the at the time, Cincinnati was down double-digit points. Uh, there was, I believe, less than four minutes to play in the game. Burrow had just thrown his second interception of the second half. And the pick six by Stroud woke up the building. In fact, a lot of uh, Cincinnati fans are streaming toward the exits. Greg, mm. and they all pour back in.
4: And they went down at the one, so Mixon got the touchdown with Mick, the one yard. Oh,
3: that's right, my fault. Yes, uh, they get them. They take it all the way down. Uh, get the uh, touchdown, force the punt, and the Cincinnati Bengals will have to. They'll rue the day. And so like, I locked them up, Greggy. And oh. this is just one of those years, you know, sometimes you got to take, take the bad beats because I will never feel bad about getting behind the Bengals at home with Joe Pearl playing at this level. Uh, he hits a go ahead touchdown pass. That's just dropped a bad drop. They have to settle for mm, a field goal and right, then Stroud, Tyler, Boyd. Tyler Boyd drops a killer one. Uh, and then Stroud takes over and marches them right down the field for the winner.
4: I mean, this is the stuff legendary careers are made of to, to have that touchdown drive with those throws with under 30 seconds left last week to tank Dell. And then to be in a position uh, where it's a third and six at his own 29, he finds Schultz after buying some time. And then a second and six at the Bengals 42 with 15 seconds left. That's it. And he gets it to Brown who makes, uh, it was a terrific throw and Brown makes an even better individual play to pick up a lot of yards after the catch breaking tackles. That was a big play in, in the Bengal season because Trey Hendrickson was hurt on this play. We hope it's not a, a serious injury. Um, and then you get the game winning field goal after that 17 explosive plays in this game for the Texans offense. It's a game that we shouldn't need it, but it's like it, it lets us think even differently about the Texan season, even then a week ago, even though last week kind of got us halfway there. This is, this is another level because they lost about seven starters to injuries last week, Dan. Mm. You know, Damian Pierce isn't in this game. Nico Collins isn't in this game. Uh, a, a bunch of players in the secondary aren't in this game. And then to win it with 17 explosives, that's that's the fourth most of any team in any game since 2000. Whoa. The Texans versus the – and that's against a good Bengals defense. I mean, you want to talk
3: about a team that is arriving ahead of schedule. That is Houston right now, and they're and they are showing themselves – uh, to be a team that cannot be taken lightly. Not You do not lock against them because they are a team they could uh, absolutely make you look bad. And it should be also noted that this game started out to script with Burrow going right down the field, and he throws one of the prettiest balls you'll see all season. He throws it right on the money. Uh, the touchdown uh, goes to... Um, Irwin right down the sideline, 32 yards, and I, I he pulls out Burrow, one of my favorite celebrations I've seen, and sometimes he pulls out the archery move. Mm. i like, oh, Burrow, the archer. That's a great nickname, potentially. Uh, but then Houston's defense with D'Amico Ryan's leading the way there, of course, uh, forces five consecutive punts and gets the game under control. So you saw the, the Stroud uh, interception late that allowed Cincinnati back in the game, but not only was the offense something to really be excited about, Houston putting up ten points in each of the last three
4: quarters, the fact that their defense is making strides as well. I mean, look out! They've won different types of games. I think of that Saints win where the offense actually didn't do much; they they won it defensively. It's something special is brewing here. We'll get to the Jaguars later, but like that division seems much more open than than we expected.
3: And then all of a sudden, Greggy, Cincinnati—they got the Ravens in Baltimore and we're going to get to what happened with the Ravens today on Thursday night on a short week and the Houston Texans get the cards at home so
4: like interesting i i did not i would not have i would have happily locked this if i wasn't um, bullied over the last few weeks from our friend Nick Wesley into not taking like six <laughs> point spread, so that helped me.
3: You know what? I'm going to try to get Nick on the show for the Thursday night uh, football matchup there too. So maybe you guys could work some things out. All right. So Houston was, uh, listeners know, a finalist for the team of around the NFL. Mm. The other finalist and the actual choice is the Minnesota Vikings, and here was their first uh, game as the team of ATN hosting the Saints.
0: Dobbs.
2: Out of the shotgun on third down, Cam Jordan got around the right tackle. Dobbs looks, sees nothing. Now he runs out to the left. Dobbs he magic to somebody. Turns to the five Woo! to the end zone. Incredible. Touchdown! Incredible! Josh Dobbs with a rushing touchdown has run Minnesota to a 16-3 lead. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Josh Dobbs threw for a career-high 268 yards. He had two total touchdowns, including that beautiful scramble. The Vikings built a big halftime lead and then held on to beat the Saints 27-19. That is five straight wins for the team of ATN. Whoa, is that right? Five straight, right?
4: I don't know. They were 0-3. It's five. Yeah, I
3: get thumbs up from. Roberts behind the glass. They were 0-3. Yes. And now they are comfortably. Well, this is important. This is
2: a very special
3: honor. They're comfortably in the NF NFC playoff uh picture right now. So, mm-hmm. Greg, the team of ATN keeps finding a way and with
4: its Dobbs right in the middle of it all. That run-in for the touchdown was part of a first half that was magical. It was like they listened to our podcast during the week and they said. Dan, Mark, and Greg believe in us. Hell, we believe in us. Josh Dobbs, I'm not just going to be, like, one of the best stories of the NFL. I'm watching that first half, and I'm just thinking, this is just one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. The very first play from scrimmage, a dot. Uh, I think it was to Addison. It, a throw they would tell you not to make because it was so impossible. I'm sure the, the expected completion on that from Next Gen was, like, 10%, but he fits <laughs> it in the smallest of windows, and I thought, ooh, this this could be a pretty special game. Uh, a third and one where they run an RPO, something you wouldn't be able to do with, with Kirk Cousins. And then a fourth and seven, uh, or rather, a, a third down breaking tackles before he threw the ball that, to me, was even more impressive than that rushing touchdown, where he's just like, guys are falling off of him, and he's making these... I don't I don't even know who to compare him to exactly. Just like Just imagine any great rushing quarterback where he just is impossible to get down, but he's still making terrific throws down the field. Like he added that all up and they held on in the second half, but I don't care. You can't talk about the second half. They had 388 yards, 27 points, no turnovers. The offense did their job and they showed they can win a different type of game with the way the defense closed it out.
3: Yeah, that was, you know, I was tracking other games at the time, but, you know, when you saw the halftime, um stats and you saw the highlights you're thinking to yourself like what are <laughs> what is we happening? is this the is this the story of the 2023 season and perhaps it might and it's almost like the football gods were like let's tone it down in the second half here because we don't want to overplay our hand at this point and that allowed the saints to get back into the game uh greg and 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 the saints are a team that seems to be always dealing with some level of of drama. Uh, they lost their quarterback again.
4: Yeah. Derek Carr hurt his shoulders and um, they listed him as having is that a plural concussion. You're both shoulders. No, his shoulders. Oh, Sorry. Okay. I, I meant to like, it was multiple <laughs> injuries it was shoulder and they tested him for concussion. I need to follow up on that. They believe because Carr spoke after the game, which is usually a sign. Actually, you pass the concussion part of that, but he took a brutal hit on his best play of the game, actually, he showed toughness on a great throw to Olave, and then just got absolutely hammered. And uh, he struggled before he left. He, he had a fumble. He he held the ball, and then Jameis comes in and immediately goes like three for three and threw two of the most improbable touchdowns of the season, according to Next Gen stats. Actually, I think that was why it was in my mind. His his throw to Olave was the least probable touchdown of the entire season. And I swear the other one where he threw it across his body to A.T. Perry, and it was just a BB, a better play by Jameis, even than the Olave one, which was just an outstanding play by Olave and a good throw. Like, those were two of the best touchdowns of the season. But, then but the reality always a but. Yeah, the reality yeah. set and He threw a couple of interceptions, and he had three different chances to potentially have a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter, and all three times the, the Vikings defense stood up.
3: It's a shame, too, for the New Orleans offense because it, it seemed like they were f- starting to find a groove there with, uh, with Carr and Kamara and Taysom with Alave waking up a little bit. Uh, but now, once again, Carr, uh, we don't know what his, his situation is. Um, also, Michael Thomas, it should be noted, he played in this game, left with an injury. It's not believed to be serious. It was a knee issue. Uh, but he was also arrested on Friday uh, uh, for an alleged confrontation with a construction worker near
4: his home. It was even in the police report, so I don't need to say reported, but according to the police report, Michael Thomas was upset. Someone he believed was recording him, like on their fo- on his phone. It was like a a, con- a contractor, construction worker next door, and he walked over and uh, slapped the phone out of the guy's hand. I don't know what else exactly happened, but he played in this game, had an injury. They believe he'll be okay. They actually said they didn't think it was serious. They have a bye now, so I, I think there's some optimism. Carr and Thomas. Uh, will return. And I do think it's important to note, like, Daniel Hunter had three quarterback hits in this game. He was leading the league in Texas. I didn't mention him on my Defensive Player of the Year rank, you know, talk the other day, and, and he's, he's in that mix, too. And he was making a big play on one of those interceptions by Winston. He got pressure. And I think it's cool that, like, their defense really has played, like, a top-ten defense. It, to me, it's telling, like, this was a coaching win. K, you, you give KOC all this Saints talent like on that. offense, and if you give Brian Flores maybe Mm -hmm. what the Saints defense has I I think it's like they would the Saints would then win this game I really believe that that the coaching in this game particularly makes that big of a difference Dennis Allen's defense is not making a big difference
3: nice start for the team of Etienne and and just a reminder that all this Dobbs excitement the greatest wide receiver in the world is on the Vikings he's been out for a month uh, but we could see him returning to the fray not too long from now So that adds another layer to it. And that went into the thinking, at least for the old Zeuser, of why this is the team of ATN, because you get to root for a team that has Justin Jefferson. So there's that. And I want to give a little love to TJ Hawkinson. Uh, This according to the Elias Sports Bureau, Greggy, The The second NFL tight end since 1978 to catch at least 10 passes for 100 yards and a touchdown in one half. And that's playing with a tear of cartilage in his rib area.
2: Mm. Uh,
4: playing through pain, kept on ke- getting whacked. Uh, that's a guy that you like to go to war with. That, that's sort of what I'm talking about with KOC. It's like they started Brandon Powell, Addison, who was great, made another really good catch and almost a near touchdown. I mean, he always just, his hands are great. And, but they started Brandon Powell and Jalen Naylor at wide receiver. And, mm. and they're still getting it. And not really getting a running game other than Dobbs, but he ran for 44, which makes a big difference adding to that. That's what I mean. And yet they still find a way you get Hawkins in the ball. Uh it it's impressive. It's impressive. They're a game and a half up on that uh seven spot right now. Like game at this point they're at, actually I would say, considering their schedule and everything, it's weird to say this with Josh Dobbs, but at this point I sort of think they're the heavy favorite to get a playoff spot at this point. Imagine. Imagine saying that uh or thinking
3: that after week three when they were 0 and three. Give it to us. We might. We might give you give it to you. You deserve it. All right, let's head to the big shootout. Uh, that went down across the sidewalk here uh, in Englewood.
2: Here we go. Final play of the game. Lions going for the win. 41-yard field goal attempt. Hash mark left side. McQuaid to snap. There it is. Fox the hole. Patterson the kick. It is up and it is good. He got it. That's a victory for the Lions on the final play of the game. And what a game it was back and forth they win no separation between these two and ronnie patterson sends it through to secure a 41 38 victory for the
4: lions great call great f yeah by dan campbell R- <laughs> running to the middle of the field that was great
3: deserving a bungo him man bite, he cats girl from <laughs> cong <laughs> Yes, the field goal was good at the gun, lifting the Lions to a 41-38 win over the Chargers, who had a lot of pluck, a lot of fight, but they just could not find a way to stop the Detroit Lions. Uh, Nobody could stop anybody in this game, actually. Uh, One of those pure shootouts where defense is really just an idea rather than something that truly exists. And um, I want to call attention to, and I think we have sound, for it uh one of my favorite play calls of the entire year and it was so on brand uh it was so on brand for dan campbell and the lions and yet it was still so impressive to see a a team be so fearless and just believing in who they are it's fourth and two um for the lions they have the ball they're already in field goal range here uh, with 147 to play in the game they're at the chargers twenty-six. I understand we're in the era now where coaches like to be aggressive, but when the rubber meets the road, there's not many coaches that are going to pass on a very makeable field goal this late in the game. Mm -hmm. But Campbell was smart. He said, first of all, I believe in my offense. Second of all, I know my defense is having a bad day. And when you factor those two things in, he said, let's go for it. And they passed the ball, Sam Laporta, six yard gain. And crucially, that means Justin Herbert, who is lights out with Keenan Allen in this game, uh, does not see the field again. Otherwise, uh, if you assume, uh, that they make the field goal instead there, you're giving Herbert about a minute and a half to do damage there and p- potentially steal the game here yeah. is Campbell on his decision-making there
0: going into that situation. You know, if you don't, there going be a lot of time left, you know, you kick field goal, um, you know, so I just – I wanted to finish with the ball in our hands. I liked where we were at offensively. We uh, were playing good. Golf was in a good spot. And, uh, and I just – I felt like that was the right thing to do.
3: He, he explains it, Greg, like, matter-of-factly. But that was an <laughs> extremely. you have to have, like, onions – uh like great big onions to make a decision like that in that game and and it seems like it wasn't even a hard choice for him that's part of the reason everybody loves this guy
4: I love him too he's a great coach and i think the contrast between him and brandon staley was so there tonight because brandon staley came in he's mr fourth down guy and then campbell hoists staley on his own fourth down patard you know my favorite wessism of all time i don't perhaps. think staley would have been ready for that moment the thing with the Lions, as you can see, with their situational football, it reminds me of the Patriots back in the day. I know I bring a lot back to the Patriots, but Campbell knew before that sequence what he was going to do in that scenario. Like they get prepared. Brandon Staley, on the other hand, when there was a big fourth and one uh, just the previous drive, burned a very valuable timeout to get everything together before they called what was ultimately an extremely effective <laughs> fourth and one. Ended up being a long touchdown. You can't kill him, but <laughs> I always see with the Lions that they're ready for these scenarios. They sort of have it gamed out. And, like, the game's not too fast for Dan Campbell in a way that I, I think it is for a lot of coaches, including Staley, who's a defensive coach ultimately. And I, I think this game, especially against another guy who's hired the same year in the contrast and giving up 8.3 yards per play in all these touchdowns and on a day where the Chargers scored a touchdown on their last five drives... Literally their last five drives. They, they are the first team. This is, again, for, I think from Josh Dubow, the Associated Press, to score a touchdown on their all their drives in the last 40 minutes of the game and not win. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, like, so like his, actually, Herbert showed up in the biggest way possible, and Staley's defense just couldn't do literally a thing for him. And it's funny because they started out. They go
3: three and out, the Chargers, to start the game. They have a field goal drive, and then... Uh, and then Herbert throws an interception. And so it's, it starts as a totally different game. Uh, but, you know, it turns into what we saw. And, yeah, they, I think it's you could look at it two ways with the Lions because this is a team that, that considers itself um, a true Super Bowl contender. And this was a pretty epic no-show uh, by their defense uh, to consider themselves as contenders. And you worry um, how that how this would look against a, a team like the Eagles, for instance, in the divisional round or something like that. Like you have to have somebody that's going to show up. I don't think they had a sack in this game. Um, they, they could not, as Greg pointed out, get any type of a spot. They had no answers or adjustments mm. for Keenan Allen, who was just shredding them all night, 170 yards, what 75 a yards on 11 Keenan catches. Allen. Unreal. And, and that's, that's sandwiched around, by the way, he came out of the game briefly with a shoulder, went back in the game, came out again and went into the locker room. And then every time he was back on the field, he was making huge plays. So, yeah, the, the they finished the charges with 421 yards. But that almost doesn't tell the story because uh, down the stretch, they were as unstoppable as any team you'll see this year.
4: Well, also because of their defense, they only got nine drives in the game, which is not a, a huge amount. So to put 38 points in nine drives is wild. Uh, then again, the, the Lions, you know, did 41 in 10 drives. It's, it's just crazy. And uh, I had... Um, I wouldn't say a friend of the show. I'm not familiar with uh, Mike B at Bolt Tweeter, but he asked me, he says, I, Greg, I need you to spend as much time as possible tearing Brandon Staley to shreds this week. Chargers fans are begging you. We need help. I, I, don't, I don't think you need help. I think the way this team is going, that they just find different ways to lose. It's just like when the offense plays well, the defense doesn't, or, or vice versa. In the end of games, Herbert can play outstanding and then they end up like I think it's gonna take care of it for you like I if this team doesn't make the playoffs I don't think you need my help and I, I just don't think they're gonna make the playoffs yeah I mean you're right it's <laughs> it, there is that that frustration you never point. know maybe Herbert just like is in FU mode the rest of the way like this was a big game for him maybe he turns it on but I sort of doubt it oh
3: for sure I mean he's coming off a game against the Jets where he through for 136 yards uh did not have a touchdown Uh, Keenan Allen was all but erased in that game uh, with the exception of a big catch um, uh, to help lock down that win on Monday night. So on a short week for them to show up and ball out the way they did. And I want to give a little, because we brought it up in the newsroom, Greg, give a little uh, love also um, to Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, because he is, you know, I do the superstar club uh, and that seems ridiculous to even talk about Mm. it. But he is the first Lions player since Calvin Johnson to record four straight games of at least 100 yards. He ended with a career-best 156 on eight receptions and a touch in this game. And he's just, I mean, what else can you ask for from a number one receiver? It's consistency, it's the production, it's in big moments.
4: Uh, Goff, who also played very well in this game, has a real one there. And it's also knowing he's the receiver, that he's going to end up, by the end of the season I would guess maybe doubling the number two receiver who's probably will be Sam Laporta on this team so that's outrageous but they are running the ball incredibly way well. having Montgomery back is huge he, he ripped a long one and, and Jameer Gibbs is making big plays they they run for 200 yards they ran for 170 in the first half which is just crazy and you're right about the Lions in terms of contending like who knows but they are absolutely contending for the one seed It which seems weird to think about but they're 7 and 2 which on its own is contending for the one seed. They do not play a team with the winning record until week 16. And they finish at Minnesota at Dallas and then Minnesota again, which is a very interesting final 3 weeks, but their next 5 weeks are against teams 500 or worse. They're going to be favored in all those games. Even if they, you know, lose one of them, they are going to be in the mix for home field advantage.
3: And my last note is an apology to the Lions who are hitting all the right buttons. I, and I'm not alone on this, was questioning why they blew up their backfield Um, because Jamal Williams set the touchdown record and DeAndre Swift was a really nice change of pace guy. But David Montgomery had a gorgeous 75-yard touchdown run in this game. Uh, He had 116 yards and 12 carries. Jameer Gibbs had another big game with two touchdowns. They are great. They are a great tandem. There are not a lot of holes with this team. Well, the defense has got to clean it up. But the offense, they can score on anybody
0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh
2: Those are the most obvious. But let's say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: All right, welcome back. It's time now for the Sunday Drive, presented by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Let's head to Baltimore where Greggie's Ravens look to keep it oh, rolling wow. against the Brownies. What? What's not
0: true? A little pause. Here's the snap. It's a good one. The hold is good. The kick is on its way. End over end. And it is good. But there's a flag on the field. Hold everything. Don't flag me on the call. Kyle Hamilton
2: jumping over. And it looked like he made contact with the Brown trying to do the Miles Garrett. We'll see.
4: Yeah. Think of the call. It looks like
0: it, Joel Petonio celebrating. Yeah, pump. the Browns are celebrating <laughs> <laughs> for <a legal> leverage. <laughs> field goal will count. This will end the game. And that will end the ball game. The Browns have won it 33-31. They've come from behind.
3: <laughs> Where's Siciliano? Tom McCarthy with the call. WKRK. Another field goal at the gun. And this one, an absolute stunner. Dustin Hopkins makes up for a yanked pat that would have tied the game uh in the second half after a stunning pick six uh by the browns he makes up for it with that field goal and the and the browns beat the ravens 33 to 31 now we welcome in quite possibly the largest cleveland brown fan physically I mean, he's, he's he's a beast.
4: I mean, Joe Thomas is a Browns fan now.
3: Yeah, but have you seen him recently? He's,
4: you know, trim and he's pretty strong looking. I'm just
3: saying I, I don't <laughs> I, would, I would roll the dice with shook the pipe. Nick shook uh, feeling no pain. I'm sure in Ohio today uh, because a game that the Ravens seem to have completely in hand. They let get away and, and the Browns are right in the thick of it. in the AFC North as a result.
5: Yeah, biggest famous Browns fan, John Big Dog Thompson. I don't know if he's still with us, but when they came back in '99, he was the face of the expansion, mm. and the return to the league. So ah, okay. I don't, I don't even come close to that guy. But well, that I'll guy tell, seems has, fine, but I'm still going with Shook. Yeah, we'll plus take we don't it, know we'll if he's it. alive, so we're yeah, gonna have exactly. to just put him we'll, to we'll the side. It. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I texted uh, somebody I do a show with, longtime friend, who is older than me, was around for the Browns, Haiti in the '80s, and I said. When was the last time that you saw a Browns team fight back in a game that looked like they were surely going to lose and actually finish the job, get to the precipice of it and come through? Because typically they botch that. He texted me back. 1988, which of course was a bit facetious, but that just goes to tell you how rare this is for the Browns for them to go into Baltimore and win a game in this fashion where they were down 17 to three before they could blink in the first quarter where they were down by 14 points on four separate occasions. Whoa. Erased that every single time and didn't hold a lead until there were no seconds left on the clock. Uh, What a game in Baltimore. Uh, The fight I saw from this team, I have not seen from a Browns team in my life. And uh, it's remarkable. It starts with their defense, but the offense did its part too. Deshaun Watson finally had a moment that, you know, kind of made Browns fans think maybe that trade was worth it. He was nearly flawless in the second half passes of over 10 air yards, a perfect 14 for 14 extending plays with his feet. Even if he, uh, you know, did suffer a bit of an ankle injury during this game, Uh, just a remarkable performance on both sides of the ball. And one that I sat back and thought, wow, like I I cannot believe that they won that game because it was a statement against a team that, Looks like one of the best teams in football, and the Browns went toe-to-toe with them.
3: Shuggy, it's 24-9 to uh, late in the third quarter in this game, and I had said on the Thursday preview show uh, that I thought this was it was the end of excuses for Watson. He needs to be a guy that these type of games is one of the biggest Browns games in a long time against the Ravens in Baltimore. There's a lot on the line we all know, as Sestog is known to say, that they they ripped the, rip from the belly of Cleveland the Ravens. There's always going to be a lot of Bad blood for that reason as well. Um, and Andrew Siciliano, who I mentioned minutes ago, uh, longtime Browns fan, he told me, he texted me today. We were texting about the game. He said he's screaming uh, at his phone on the podcast that I would even say that Watson needed to step up in this game because they were down three offensive linemen. And and, and he was in a very difficult spot. And you saw that in this game. How I, I, There were not many times where... Uh, Watson has a clean pocket to work with, and he's taken a beating. And the stats reflect he Throws a pick six, Greg. Immediately, his numbers are terrible. They just seem dead in the water. So the fact that the offense with Watson were able to steady themselves in the second half, it really was kind of a uh, "we're growing up" type game for them.
5: Well, yeah, you know, at one point he was two for eleven in this game. I mean, he looked mm. pretty bad, and they looked bad as an offense. The offense, he finishes lines,
4: twenty for thirty-four. So do the math. Yeah. There was barely an incompletion after that. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. fourteen
3: to fourteen in the second half. But yeah, he looked he looked jittery. The Ravens pass rush was going nuts. David Clowney was having another big game, uh, and then it all kind of shifted.
4: Well, the yeah. the, the helmet interception, pick six by Greg Newsom was massive uh, in this game. And I, this is the third week out of three, I believe, where a ball bouncing <laughs> off a helmet has yes. turned into. A huge play for the Browns. They're now two and one in those scenarios. Two Three gone, touchdowns, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> no one. The Paul oh, Adams was. wasn't a touchdown. It led to the, the game-winning touchdown for the CX. But uh, <laughs> it's maybe that shows that it's going the Browns' way. But. I I am I'm with you on the excuses. Forget about the tackles. It's like C.J. Stroud was lighting people up without an entire offensive line earlier in the season. The Texans lost seven starters last week and just beat the Bengals. So yes, if you're if you're going to be a great quarterback, you do have to overcome things like that. And it sounds like Watson did today. Kind of talk me through the fourth quarter there, where where they do have those drives. It was a 75-yard drive that ended with the Elijah Moore touchdown, the game-winning field goal drive, and even before that, a 75-yard drive uh, to get it to 24-17. Like, what What did those drives look like? Was it like the Kevin Stefanski offense? Was it the Deshaun Watson offense? What were they doing well? It was kind of vastly different from drive to drive, because the first one you talked about that made it 24-17
5: was a methodical drive. I think it was the longest drive the Browns had put together in terms of time and play. Ten minutes long, In like 10, 15 years, I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but it's been a very long time since they'd put that type of drive together. They ended it in classic Browns fashion pounding it on the ground with Kareem hunt after failing to do so on the doorstep of the end zone earlier in the game so that was refreshing but then the next drive you start to feel a little desperation creep in because you look you realize look it's early fourth quarter we're running out of time you're still down two scores they go 75 yards in six plays and the key play being Watson rolling away from pressure as he'd been under pressure all day looking like oh no what's going to happen is he going to get strip sacked is he going to fumble is he going to make a mistake and just as he's about to cross the line of scrimmage he finds Elijah Moore wide open in the end zone mm. for a touchdown a connection that has not been there all year was refreshing to see as well so there were two very different drives in terms of style and then of course as you said the pick six that's really what changed everything but even then they get the ball with like four and a half minutes to go and i'm thinking i don't know man full field like all you gotta do is get in field goal range it'd be a lot nicer if you're the browns if you were tied right now than being down 31 30 (laughs) and yet they followed through they came through and they Uh, killed the entire
4: clock which is very
5: difficult to do at one point I was like they need to speed up a little bit and they didn't. They it was a measured drive they made they you know they connected on passes David Njoku played a big part in the second half for them. And then the play that I think he explained it all was who wants this win more. Mm, Hand yeah. off to Jerome Ford going to the right side and almost the entire offense gets into to scrum with him and pushes him forward for an extra 6 yards. That right there defined who this Browns team could be because they do play hard. They and, definitely play hard to the end.
3: And on the flip side of that, Greg, you have the Ravens who by the way were banged up in this game as well. Cornerback Marlon Humphrey goes out. Hmm. Uh left tackle Ronnie Stanley, he limped to the locker room. He did not return. Nope. Um it is now um that's 3 They've had a great year overall, the Ravens, but that's now th- all three of their losses have been bad ones, like tough ones. Ghastly. And that that run that, uh, that Nick is referring to is like a who wants it more moment in the crucible of the game. And it's that DNA that I just wonder about with Baltimore. I know they're going to be okay. I know they're probably, I don't want to say they're probably going to win this division because it is wide open. All of a sudden they have a half game lead on two teams, uh, but can they really avoid this type of blow up in January? Because it pops up periodically with this team.
4: This is a two-year trend now. No team in mm-hmm. the NFL has lost more 10-point leads since the start of last season than John Harbaugh's Ravens. So you know who's second? Like, he doesn't have a coaching job anymore. It's Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. So it's like, they're, it's crazy that... Now, in this game, they got out The other two that they blew early in the season, they totally outplayed their opponents and managed to lose. This one, they have a monster lead and get outplayed. They couldn't run the ball nearly as well as the Browns. It. There is... Two things can be true. I think they have the... The ingredients to go win a super bowl because they're very balanced and yet there is something about them that clearly is blows games with leads and that that's that's very worrisome it's it's the fourth quarter it's been it was the case against pittsburgh the game against
5: Indianapolis was just a weird one where they had like nine opportunities to win it and just couldn't do the job. It's been the margins like they're just not winning in the margins and it's leading to these not like collapses or meltdowns but somewhere in between with a, a descriptive word. I can't come up with right now. That's what they've been is just like slowly falling apart and letting the other team that kind of doesn't have any business being in the game. The Pittsburgh game was like that even today was like that. They let them back in the game and then before they know it, they look up and they're about to lose or they are losing and that's a concerning sign because if you're a contender, you really want to win a Super Bowl. You you don't make those
4: types of mistakes against the better opponents. And right at now, home against the lesser at home. Ones. Yeah. And well, now you got the Bengals like this division race is. Oh, it's fun. Insane. Guess the what? Bengals are in last place. And who do you think the Browns have? They got the Steelers. So week 11 is going to be
3: a lot of fun. And that was the Sunday drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at Toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Shook, let's head to Seattle. Another game that went down to the very end
2: here we go it comes down to this jason myers between the hash marks from 43 the kick is going to be long enough and the kick is good another jason one myers wins it on the last play of the game <laughs> The Seahawks facing all kinds of issues in the fourth quarter. They come back, they score, and now they win it on the last play from 43 yards out.
3: Steve Rabel, Seahawks Radio. Jason Myers had five field goals, including that 43-yarder. You heard his time expired, and the Seattle Seahawks survive uh, the Washington Commanders. A 29-26 win. Uh, Shook, uh, we heard there that... uh, Exactly how it was phrased there. All kinds of problems or obstacles. What what is he what is what is he referring to for Seattle today?
5: I think this game was a perfect example of how football is very much a four-quarter sport because this was a snooze fest going into halftime, guys. Just field goals left and right. One touchdown and an extra point that wasn't converted. So it made it look like two field goals on the scoreboard. I thought, is this team, is this game ever going to wake up? One are these teams <laughs> actually going to start to find some success offensively. Now, Seattle's defense has been young and hungry and good. And you know that and everything else. We, we've been around that block a few times. But it was more a, an example of these two teams that just couldn't hit their stride. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the points start coming in bunches. The last five possessions between these two teams, they went like this. Field goal. Touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, end of game. That's where all the points came from, because before that, it was punt, 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 field goal, fumble, end of half, all that in between. Nobody could get the job done. It's like they just woke up and went, oh, God, we're playing football. It's the fourth quarter. It's a tie game or it's a very close game. Maybe we should do our jobs. And Seattle ended up being the one because they had the ball last. They did their job better.
4: Well, they had 27 first down, 489 yards. It didn't feel like it. You know, even in the first half, they had over 200 yards. They were sloppy. I think it was a big second half for Gina. Look, there were there were some booze at uh, what is it? What do they call it now? Uh, I believe Lumen. It's, Lumen. Yeah, it's not the clink anymore. Yeah. yeah there, there were some boos, which, which, you know, you don't hear it. There has certainly been a lot. Like I, I know um, you've been talking, Gino, and I've been pushing back, but you're not the only one. Locally, they've been talking about whether they should bench Drew Locke and everyone pushing back on Ooh. that. And he was uneven, even though his numbers weren't bad. Gino was very uneven, was missing mm-hmm. some throws, and the, he wasn't on the same page with his receivers in the first half which is why I think the second half was huge because he basically played perfect. Uh, him and Lockett connected, ended up with eight for 92. That, that was a great touchdown pass to him. DK Metcalf, who didn't really like use his physicality, I think sometimes, like he doesn't play as big as he is and and let a few balls, like contested catches, he didn't get them in the first half. He's a monster in the second half, including on the game-winning drive, a couple game-winning drives. And Gino had, had a couple total dimes. So to finish the game the way he did, to quiet it down on really their defense has been fine this year. It's been their offense that has concerned me. They needed a big offensive game and they got it. And they're they're six and three, even though that hasn't felt like a great six and three.
3: I would have, uh, yes. that two, two drives by Sam Howell that uh, in the fourth quarter there to tie the game. I would have went for two, maybe.
4: Yes. To that last, <laughs> the, match, yeah. the, the, Ron, that the Ron Rivera one, and maybe he didn't because he thought there was too much time left. That is sort of the, Right. Analytical way to look at it is actually when there's a minute left, there's such a good chance they could get a field goal anyways that don't even bother to risk it. But Ron Ron's got like the riverboat Ron of quarterbacks right now. You might as well go after him. He really is like mini Russ. I I was thinking that because he was in Seattle, like Mm. Sam Howell is poor man's Russ Wilson. Like everything today that was good was out of structure. It wasn't any like timing throws, but they were talking
3: about. The good russ wilson from
5: yeah, yeah
4: yeah absolutely good and and there were a lot there was a lot good from howell today hmm. it's weird because
5: i watched sam howell and i'm like slowly falling in love with his play style, even though there's like a boneheaded mistake or two every game, you know, it's coming. He did it in new England and threw a pick in the end zone. He did it on Sunday when he tried to scramble too far and ended up fumbling, but that fumble didn't end up hurting them because Seattle couldn't do anything with it. But at the same time, it's the out of structure stuff. It's the way that he just finds ways to make plays. And it's the touchdown drives that he had in the fourth quarter of this game, including the touchdown pass to De'Ami Brown that tied the game. I mean, that was, was a, like, Oh, that was a gem. There's yeah, a strike over the middle. It was so stunning that I think the defense was shocked he had the ball, and then he's in the end zone, and the stadium's stunned, and they don't know what to say because
4: they were pretty much trying to put away a win right there. And so it, I love watching him play. I very much agree with it you. It ended up working out well for them that they gave up the score that quickly. And, yeah. they, and they sold at the deadline,
3: so this is not the same team that broke camp, but you know, Washington's defense was supposed to lift them this year, and it's been bad. They get the Cowboys twice still, they get the Dolphins and the Niners still on their schedule, so. Uh, I think Washington is going to make a quick exit from the playoff picture, uh, but maybe it will be fun uh, watching it as they do it. Uh, let's uh, move on. One more shook. You want to hang on, hang around for one let's more. Do it. Let's, let's head to it. Tampa where the bucks are looking to get off the schneid. Here's Mayfield. Shotgun look. Looks right. Now back to his left. Those toward
2: his left. Caught ball. Evans at the five. To the three, two. a Bay. There you go. Fire the cannons. Mike Evans. Yeah, really a nice job. Now, Baker, he had those happy. Feet. He looked to his left, to his right, but then he was able to find Mike Evans coming on an in route right in the middle of the field. I love that Gene Dagger
3: author. WFU. Yes, Mike Evans atoned for a hideous drop earlier in the game on a short touchdown with that bulldozing TD score, provided the Bucs with some breathing room in an eventual uh, 20 to 6 win over the Titans. Shooky, the Bucs snap a four-game losing skid, and the Titans are back to being one of the most boring teams in the world. Is <laughs>
5: that about right? Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, look, we'll go winners first because... The Buccaneers finally uh, experienced the sweet taste of victory for the first time in a month something that they probably felt they should have had once or twice prior. And it was Baker Mayfield leading the way. I, uh, my buddy, longtime best friend since college, was in town this weekend. He works in Tampa. He said the discourse down there is that they should consider going to Kyle Trask. And I said, are you crazy? Have you watched this team? Baker's one of the only good oh, things with this offense right now. And Mike Evans <laughs> is just a big what Literally why.
4: every fan base does. Like if you lose games Worst. quarterback, no matter what, there's no context. Yeah. It's the worst. They they, they, Exactly. Baker basically won
5: a game last week before it got stolen away by the kid. It was his fault that they gave up 39 points, but it was also his fault that Mike Evans couldn't catch a pass today, right? Wrong. Mike Evans was going through it on the sideline emotionally. He walks over to the sideline. He slams a cooler with his fist. He puts a towel over his head. His head is in his hands. He's emotionally distraught because he can't figure out how to catch passes, and then suddenly he finds it again. And that's how they just cruise to a victory. And I say cruise because it was only 20 to six. But if you watch this Titans offense last week or this week, you know, their ceiling is very low and that's not a knock on will. Levis. I didn't know that,
4: that. Even after watching it last week, I thought they were showing some promise last week. This, yeah. There's problems. They don't me. finish the drives. This yeah. is a
5: problem. This is a
4: big well, yeah, problem. Levis had
3: the four touchdown game. And then even on Thursday night against the Steelers, he was throwing some balls that were like, okay, you see what, the, yeah, see what's there. So, I was kind of bummed to be watching this one from afar and be like, oh, where is the sizzle? Uh, we thought maybe we had a stake on our hands here, but apparently not. Well,
5: you know <laughs> you know what the problem is, guys, is they can't run the ball. Derrick Henry, 2.2 yards per carry today on 11 attempts. Like, that's not going to get the job done. You have a rookie quarterback. What's the best way to help him out? Get some easy targets to your tight ends and establish a running game. They don't have that. I think it starts up front for them. It's not Levis's problem. He's a rookie. He's still trying to figure it out, and he's showing off his arm and all that stuff. He's doing all right. Mm. But the offense, just their potential is not there. That's why they had six points in this game today. It's not that Tampa's defense is suddenly great again. It's that they're playing a team that was much less capable offensively than the opponent they faced last week. So it's going to be tough for the Titans. I hate to say it because... I was not a Will Levis fan coming out of the draft, but I've been pleasantly surprised by how he's played. It's just that, you know, one stat really defined it to me. Tampa sent the blitz all afternoon at him because they had no fear that he Mm. was going to make them pay for it because they had no reason to fear it because he's a young guy and they're just, they lack talent in certain areas. So going to be a tough one, Titans fans. I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe he's your future, but this year is not going to be an easy one to swallow. Doesn't Shook have that? The little boy
3: on Christmas Eve glow is that like at the family party, Christmas Eve party where it's about 6 p.m. Everybody's, you know, had their dinner or whatever. And now it's becoming real that we're going home soon. And it's off oh. the bed with the milk and cookies and Santa's coming. That shook today. after oh, the brown of the brown skin. Skin. He's just in a great. Uh, he's in a great, happy place. He's in that little boy or girl on Christmas Eve place. And, and you
5: deserve it, Shooky. I'm already formulating my strategy to convince my mother to let me open a gift early.
4: Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean the Cavs beat the Warriors uh, yeah. the other night. Season was, sweet baby. Let's is, go. It is uh it is Cleveland time. And Bucks fans, uh like like your buddy, or I don't know, maybe he just lives there and he's not a fan. They're tied in the loss column, uh, for the lead in the NFC South. There is no reason that the Bucs can't win this lousy division i mean i give them i give them just about as good a chance as as the other two contenders at least they have you know mike evans having this nice uh throwback season he reminds me of T O. no one makes more tough catches but drops easier catches than than
5: Mm. Uh, You know what, guys? I can even even sit back and enjoy Baker Mayfield's play and have no disdain for him whatsoever. Like, I'm enjoying watching him play quarterback.
3: You're in a good place. You're in a very healthy mindset. I woke
5: up this
0: morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. (laughs) And and we (laughs) all love it. Sure.
3: All right, Chokey. Thanks, bud. See you next week. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, let's keep uh, moving uh, to the field formerly known as Hines.
0: Three seconds left,
2: first and 10 at the 16. They're in cover six. Here's the snap. He's back. He looks. He fires for the goal line. Intercepted.
3: And that is Casey Dude. running up the side. Go down. Line. This game's over. Don't kill the special the teams, special teams coach. You killed the special on teams the pass coach.
2: Intended to and
3: oh, it just <laughs> got a
2: little heady over there. Some people got rocked. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: Packers got rocked.
3: They sure did. Buffy here, Green Bay. Uh, the Steelers got scoring runs from Jalen Warren and Najee Harris for the defense closed it out with that interception. It was a 23-19 win over the Packers in Pittsburgh. Greg, uh, this feels like a lot of Steelers games this year. Uh, They're outgamed At times, they just seem like an undercooked entity, but then they make the play
4: when it matters, and they get the big stop at the end, and all of a sudden, they got another win. You took the words out of my mouth. I didn't feel like I learned anything about either one of these teams. They both continued on the path. I guess I would say both offenses have shown some signs of life the last couple of weeks. And that continued. Mm-hmm. The Steelers ran for 205 yards. And when they when they ran that well against the Titans, who are pretty good run defense, thought, okay, maybe they got something here. Warren goes for 101. Najee Harris goes for 82. They both have the touchdowns, as you mentioned. So they had a, a running game. Pickett still had his share of struggles. But it's something. Even for them, getting over 300 yards is something. And the Packers actually moved the ball pretty well all game they just uh kind of ran out of time and and couldn't get that winning touchdown go ahead log it up what oh yeah that's right i did lock it up give it to me
3: eric eric i'm having a down year in the locks at the very least you you shouldn't have me engineering i mean i sort of
4: forgot mark also locked this up so double it up here uh we were talking about it earlier and uh I just want to say thank if Nick Wessling, if you're listening, I was absolutely planning to lock the Ravens, but you sort of shamed me out of taking these six, the six and a half point uh, spread. So you you got me a win today. Thank you. I'm not even joking. I mean, that's a hundred percent what happened. I right? mean, you're just it just shows you're what living a, a
3: blessed existence in the picks this year. Let, let's let's face it. You're like the Falcons at the beginning of the year.
4: But this is what the the Steelers do. I mean, I think they're it, it said. AP said they're the 22nd team I believe Josh Dubo of the AP to um be out gain I mean 9 straight weeks to start the oh, season. Oh come on, they're 6 and 3. And the other teams <laughs> that have done that are combined 33 152. And So that suggests okay, let's 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 stop there for a second. That suggests
3: that this there's regression coming for this team because it's not like they play in a bad. It's not like using the Falcons as an example. They're playing in some dog division, okay? And stealing a bunch of wins. They are in the best division in football, and yet they have found a way each uh, almost every week here. They're six and three now, and you you mentioned Pickett, like he is not making the strides that they expected him to. At a certain point, you think this is going to catch up with them, or if you want to look at it as a positive side of things, as a Steelers fan they're still figuring things out and winning. And if they ever actually lock into something offensively in terms of actual some type of style, maybe they can,
4: you know, this is just the beginning. I well, that, mean, That's how I've been looking at that. At some point, if they keep winning these games, they're, they're kind of bound to start playing better and then actually deserve to win these I mean. games. And I actually think Pickett, although he was very lucky, there was a call Packers fans will be going crazy about where it appeared he threw a backwards pass that would, that was a total, that would have been a change of possession. They ruled that it was not, um, Mm. there was, there wasn't like a perfect angle that was right on the, on the right spot to see it until someone on Twitter, I don't know if they were in the crowd or what it was, did sort of have the right angle. And it did. Would it have been
3: like a scoop and score or what?
4: No, but there would have been a change of possession and, and ball ball in the, um, Steelers end And, and, I actually was. They're encouraged. living dangerously. They know are. About it. I was encouraged. Late in this game, I wanted to point out, it was third and nine with just over two minutes to go. And, uh, and the Packers did not have a timeout. Mm-hmm. And actually with exactly two minutes to go. It was after the two-minute warning. And I was stunned that they called a pass there. So instead of running the ball, they actually trusted Pickett to throw the ball and he threw a dime for 28 yards and it got called back because of an offensive pass interference that did lead to that play, but it was a very aggressive, extremely aggressive play call. I would say, considering the situation, they hit it, the penalty didn't happen. And then they, uh, they ended up making the spot. They're they're not a great defense right now, but they have been playing well, like when they've needed to, including this game. And the Packers, was it LaFleur or, or was it the GM that kind of put,
3: Love a little bit on the spot in the second half, saying they need to see something. Um, still waiting for him to kind of to break through here. There's been an issue for Love um, with Christian Watson, which has been a surprise. I think a lot of us saw Watson as a uh, a guy that could take the next step this year because of how well things ended last year. Love has 10 interceptions this year. Five of them are when t- targeting Watson, a- and you're seeing almost every week where they just, they're just not on the same page.
4: Well, Watson it wasn't it was a tough throw to try to attempt but Love's first interception went off Watson's hands in the end zone it would have been a great catch but ultimately it was a pretty good throw he got it to Watson's hand it got deflected that was one of the reasons they lost i thought this was i i would have to watch it even closer but i think this was Love's best game of the season they said they wanted to see more out of him a third and seven play touchdown third and 16 play touchdown fourth and six play uh picked it up with a pass that they went okay. for. It was very aggressive. Third and seven play late in the game, 46 yards. Third and 10 play late in the game, 32 yards. And the two interceptions, you could almost understand. You know, you hate the, the end the game that way, but one hit Watson's hand. One was kind of at the very end. So I, I thought he showed some progress.
3: All right, let's keep moving here. The Niners went into their bye with a bad taste in their mouth, a three-game losing streak. Who saw that coming? And they go to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, who were on a winning streak, would the losing streak continue? Not even close. Second down
0: one, a play call. Losing the streak here. It gone. Under center, a five-step drop.
3: Jack's winning streak. It gone. On the
2: sideline.
3: Oh. He's got
2: it and he's gone. Touchdown.
3: Oh, he's, he's strutting. Ugh.
4: San Fran. That was Cisco! next level.
3: Kittle Keep doing. feeding the beast on a wheel route. <laughs> and
2: George Kittle's wheels. There is nothing
4: wrong with him. <laughs>
3: They love never that feed, call,
4: love that call.
3: They nev- yeah, that is great. Keep feeding the beast. They don't do that really with Kittle. Typically, he, d- he only gets a few opportunities in this offense to make an impact most weeks. And he always seems to Greg Poppin, and Tim Ryan with the call. Brock Purdy. OK, there's another theme, Greg, that uh, can go by the wayside because he played great on Sunday, throwing three touchdown passes, including that six, 66 yarder to George Kittle And the Niners snapped that three-game losing skid with a 34-3 beatdown of the Jags, who deliver a comprehensive stinker to end their winning streak at five games. Uh, Greg, you won't hear any talk about what's wrong with Brock this week. All of a sudden, all is well with the Niners.
4: No, you won't hear that. I'm torn which side to start on because both sides dominated so thoroughly. Let's start with Brock. And I think he played outstanding, but I also think, We knew the 49ers were back early when they were running the ball well. This is against one of the best run defenses in the league on paper. Maybe we overrated the Jaguars' defense, Uh but the numbers were great. CMC gets 142 from scrimmage. The 49ers run for 144. Purdy was throwing the ball well right off the bat, but they were in good down-and-distance situations. I think Trent Williams being back was huge. Like He was particularly blowing open... Huge holes. He did it, I I believe, on the Debo Samuel touchdown as well. Debo had a rushing touchdown. So part of it was just like they're healthier. Dre Greenlaw looked a lot healthier than he has uh, at earlier points of the season. But when they can run, it all makes sense. And there was like two plays where Purdy did kind of what I'm talking about, where it's like, I think he's been the same guy all along, and it, it, like sometimes his crazy plays work, sometimes they don't. His first touchdown was a wild throw, and it was a really good throw to Ayuk, but it was into like double coverage right. in the end zone, and he hit it. That touchdown to Kittle, I think was a, an underratedly great throw. Yeah, Kittle like got open late, but Purdy just stood in there and took a hit, and if it was just like a half second earlier, it's like that that hand hits his arm, it flies up, it's an interception. So he can take risks, but I actually think he played a little safer other than those plays for the rest of the game, and they just looked freaking amazing. I mean, they look like the best team in the NFL again. I think
3: one of the things working against Purdy, beyond just this overall, oh, he was Mr. Irrelevant, blah, 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 is he doesn't have great arm talent in terms of strength, so it doesn't come out of his hand like some of the, the guys that have you know howitzers to use that that um, adjective that's been thrown around for decades in our league, uh, which
4: is a very large gun, Greg. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Like an old, like World War II, like. I mean, there's, you could write a a term paper on the war, (laughs) like lexicon in football. There's a lot. There's a lot. Right,
3: because you could be a basic and say, oh, he's got a cannon for an arm. Right. But if you say howitzer, it's like, oh, that guy. Now, that's a man. That's just the way this country is. Anyway, um, on the other side of the ball, Yes,
4: we should get there too. The
3: Jaguars um and here's something uh, very rarely happens for me, but got this one wrong, Greg. Um, I really thought this was a Trevor Lawrence big step forward year. I thought I had him as a dark horse for MVP and I'm not putting all of their issues on Lawrence, but the Jacksonville offense even during that five game winning streak, you're just not seeing that big step forward and uh, this was obviously a flame out at home against the big contender. they have four turnovers. And there just isn't enough
4: consistency and really big plays in this offense. Three turnovers from Trevor Lawrence, you know, individually, two picks and a fumble. Like the first half, I thought it was, you know, it was 13-3 at halftime. And I actually think that it was closer than the score indicated, but they were just making big mistakes. Lawrence then sort of collapsed in the second half. And you're absolutely right. There's going to be a Trevor Lawrence... How come he's not making the leap? He's been a little bit part of the problem this season conversation this week. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, but he's not he's not elevating everything around him. Like I, I think he avoids mistakes well for the most part. He didn't today, but he hasn't been making enough special throws. And today, especially like Nick Bosa and and Chase Young, they combined for a sack early in this one where Bosa just literally just takes the ball away from Laure- like yeah. Lawrence. And that's what, you know, they imagined when they traded for Chase Young. He was quiet otherwise, but the rest of the defensive line really ate. So I think it's a combination of things, as it often is. Their offensive line for the Jaguars definitely lost that matchup today. And
3: the, It's 49. just, it's expectations were so sky high for Lawrence coming into the league that you, you expected at this point he would be in full flight, and yet he's taken a bit of a step back. And I think it just, it also shows why sports are great, that you had this matchup where the final pick of the draft. Brock Purdy went against the first pick in the draft in Lawrence, and you saw uh, the guy who's picked last uh, easily outplay uh, his. I call him a rival. Oh, rival
4: strong. Well, they weren't the counterpart. Same... Let's just go with. They weren't counterpart. the same draft right now that I think about it. Uh, howitzer V howitzer <laughs> who comes I I just I think like two things could be true. People should not be like crushing Lawrence, but we have I, I, I people are per- ready
3: to crush though. Like if he people, has one more, it's it's gonna be. I can kind a big of thing. I
4: can kind of see it out there. It's like uh, I saw Richard Sherman was talking about, it. and I and I think what Richard Sherman is saying is right. Is that we were told he was, was generational, and to this point, on balance, it hasn't been generational. But even this year, I would say he's been good. He's not the first thing. I just was a little surprised that both their lines were dominated. It kind of reminds me of that Ravens-Seahawks game last week where it's like, yes, Geno played bad uh, in that Seahawks-Ravens game, but both lines were just so (laughs) dominant for the Ravens on both sides of the ball that it's like, well, it's hard to really just talk about the quarterback. Like, the team was just so much better, and that was the case. This was a measuring stick game in Jacksonville. They were Mm -hmm. talking about it, and they got whacked with that stick. 49ers took that stick out, and uh, Nick Wesseling had a a great – Lock here. I would give him credit for that. This is this was the game two lock, thirty four to three.
3: Yeah, that is Dang. I don't know if the Knicks lost the lock in quite a bit now. So the zoo is starting to feel itself. Uh, Led by Nick, I think he called himself the Zookeeper,
4: which is. I mean, he lucked out. That's branding. I still remember that Jets one. Maybe that was that was the win that really turned the Zoo's season. Hey, I mean, you should talk. You've been (laughs) falling into
3: locks this season every week. Please, none of us. I was gonna lock this, and then I accidentally locked that, and it all worked out for me. How many times do I have to hear the same themes?
0: So my math is correct. It would be Greg at nine and one now.
3: I, see, I didn't ask. We don't, for we don't need either. to hear this. Yeah, but
0: yeah. no, I'm saying because you're talking about the yes. West Bros. They are. I think that would put them two behind. Okay. At okay, seven. It's and three. in the
3: mix. Good. So, sorry, we're in the mix. I know, Dan. I'm sorry. We we don't need to dwell on okay. my failures. You know what? I'll just clip this together. We don't even have to bring it up again. <laughs> we'll just neatly just clip this out in the edit, and no <laughs> one will have ever heard it. All right, let's keep moving uh, and head to the desert where Kyler Murray's back. How about that?
2: Here we go. The snap's good, the ball's down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! And the Cardinals win it! 25-23! Welcome back, Kyler! Kyler Murray engineering the game-winning drive, and Arizona gets its second win of the season. It doesn't get Ah. any better than that for (laughs) Kyler Murray's return!
3: (laughs) I like that that's like an actual human being. We just like, go, go, go to the grocery store. Like,
2: Give me half
3: a pound of ham. It's like he lives his entire life talking like that. And everyone around him has to act like it's normal. Who is that? Wolfley. Oh, yeah. Which Wolfley? Because we got a Ron. That's Ron. That's Ronnie yeah. Wolf.
0: Yeah. That actually surprised me today. I did notice making up our little call sheet. There are quite a few Wolfleys in the. Uh, yeah, that's in the color commentary
3: business. I, th- I think, see, because we automatically say, oh, game winning field goal. Let's use that as a highlight. We should have went with some Kyler magic there, because who wants to watch a 23-yarder in any capacity? Matt Prater still getting it done. Big-time production meeting after the show today. Here we go. You want one? All right. Give it it. it to
4: me. Eric Roberts in a big spot. Give it to
2: me, Roberts. Randy got me. Here you go, Randy. Give it to me, Funk. Shotgun snap. Murray backs up to throw. 56 seconds Launching to go here. Near side. It is underthrown. Oh, the spot at the 10-yard line by McBride. He gets up to run and he's tackled at the nine. McBride, the first Cardinal tight end in 34 years with a 100-yard receiving game. What? And he puts the Cardinals <laughs> in first and goal. How many years? Get Wolfley in go- here. We need Wolfley.
4: Oh.
2: <laughs> oh, I'd like to have
3: one quarter pound of Swiss. <laughs> um, that was good. I like that. Kyler Murray threw for 249 yards, including that big tight end hookup to set up the game winner by uh, Matt Prater. Uh, Kyler also ran for a touchdown in his return from reconstructive knee surgery. And the cards snap a six game losing streak, edging the Falcons 25 to 23. Greggie you watching the highlights here reminded me how much I missed. I didn't think I'd, I would feel this way because he's never been my favorite player, but. I miss seeing Kyler Murray yes. with those tiny legs and a giant <laughs> helmet just wreaking havoc on the, the second level of defenses.
4: I know. I, I was you know, gassing Kyler up on Twitter today, and so many of the responses are just like, he looks so small out there. I think people just, like, weren't used <laughs> they to forgot. not seeing him.
3: and It's the helmet. The helmet really, it, it's it, it's seven <laughs> times the size of a standard helmet in the league.
4: But he's a, a legit, you know, top 10 talent at quarterback. And I would say a borderline just top 10 quarterback, period. And it was really exciting because he was just back. There was like, maybe there will be rest in future weeks, but he did the things that Kyler did like that throw to McBride, not a great throw, but the decision was awesome that they, he decided to be so aggressive in that spot. He saw the matchup that he liked. He went for it. And I think he made really good decisions throughout the game. So that, that might be a good sign moving forward for this offense. through Petsick, who did such a nice job with Dobbs that like, it's going to be a match like the offense made sense. They moved the ball. I thought they looked like the better team. And and he also had a 13 yard scramble during that game winning drive to keep it alive. And to me, that was you know the play of the game where Murray traveled 68.9 yards on that scramble. He essentially ran back 30 yards, then ran forward about 40. Love it. And he had a top speed and it's not going to get to. What do you like? You 20, wanna,
3: Well, it's everybody's 21. I want
4: 20. I mean, he didn't even get yeah. close to that. He only got tw- to 20. 0.17, but it was his... This is Kyler. This is Kyler. And we actually have the sound of that play. Let's go to it. We got all this sound. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fake me out. I mean, right after I did my NFL Plus uh, segment on, on the short Kings of uh, 2023, it's a trend. It's his fastest speed, though, since 2021, so faster than anything he did right. last year, actually. So it kind of showed... He looked like he had juice, and he looked like a good quarterback today.
3: And Jonathan Gannon... um you know, had a conversation with Kyler Murray before the game because the Cardinals, who are a team obviously in, in big time transition trying to figure out their future, they, they did have the option of keeping him out of play this season and, and protecting themselves financially. They in, instead decide to get a look at Kyler, and, and uh, apparently they're going to give him very little in terms of restrictions. Here's uh, Gannon after the game.
2: Before, uh, before this week, about maybe tempering what we expect from Kyler, we saw that out there today. Did he surprise you at all? Maybe that's why he laughed at me.
4: <laughs> Kyler Murray does not lack for confidence, and I, and I get that. The that, that Gannon was almost saying, maybe you should temper your expectations, Kyler. Like, let's not you know, get carried away, and he was just like laughing. He's like, come on, man. I'm Kyler Murray. I'm no Desmond Ritter. I'm no Taylor Heineke. What happened with the Falcons in this game? Uh, Heineke got... Don't tell me Desmond Ritter's back in my life. He is. Ow! I, I think he's going to be the quarterback after the the bye week because Heineke and the Falcons averaged 1.5 yards per drop back. 1.5, uh, under four yards per attempt when Heineke actually threw the ball, and it was very Ritter like. He was just holding onto the ball forever. They couldn't do anything throwing the ball, and it wasted a very nice Bijan Robinson game where he goes over 100 yards. Oh, they gave him the football. Yes, and, and gets yeah, a touchdown. Good. They did what everyone asked. They used him in the red zone. Uh, and they in Heineke had a couple runs. They ran the ball. Well, I think they got what 184 yards on the ground. And yet Heineke couldn't do anything throwing the ball. And then he hurt his hamstring and he went out. Ritter comes in and Ritter didn't do much, but he didn't do anything negatively. And he did run for a game winning touchdown. If the defense had just held on to it, they had a 74 yard fourth quarter drive to take the lead when they were down five points and to me, I think Arthur Smith's probably just looking for an excuse to put Ritter back in, anyways. And he said he wanted to take the bye and then make the decision. Heineke, here we go. who knows how long he, he might be out, anyways, with the hamstring injury. So I think right. he's back.
3: And if you, Heineke could be frustrated, but if you throw, throw for 55 yards in three quarters before getting hurt, you leave yourself vulnerable
0: uh, to lose that gig. All right, let's take a break here and then we'll finish up. You go into your shower feeling tired.
1: Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
3: All right. You may remember the first Sunday night football game of the year. It was a disaster for the Giants. 40 to nothing. A loss to the Cowboys. And it was a sign of things to come. Uh, The rematch with Tommy DeVito behind center. It wasn't much better. Second and 10. Back to throw. Tyron Smith locks the guy
2: up. Right side of the end zone. Lamb. Hello, CD. Touchdown, CD Lamb.
5: Lamb now has a touchdown rushing
3: and a touchdown receiving, and Aubrey will line up for the extra point that would make
0: it forty-two to seven.
3: Oh my goodness, Brad Sham, the Sham God, friend of the show, amazing Greg, which is one pep talk from tugboat meant for CeeDee Lamb You're and taking Dak Prescott. For this? He has been the best wide receiver in the
4: league for three weeks now. Uh, maybe, maybe we're a little too harsh on him. You know, he's playing well. Look, at the, he got look how it's different. Look
3: at the difference. The end zone's being found. He is in the middle of everything, and the Cowboys are humming. Dak Prescott threw for 404 yards and four touchdowns. He ran for another score. This is one of the greatest stack games you'll see. Um, and I know it's against the Giants, but I'm just saying, it is. it was just taking candy from a baby. Cowboys rout the Giants for the second time this season. 49, 17, the home st- winning streak for the Cowboys quietly is up to 12 games. And I'm going to do some quick math here. 49 plus 40, is 89, 89, 89, 89. 89, 17, 72 point margin, <laughs> uh, the largest <laughs> in a sweep of an NFC East opponent uh, ever for the Cowboys. Uh, so yeah, if they could play the giants every week, uh, they would be the greatest team ever as it was, as it is is, they're six and three Greg And uh, a couple bumps in the road, of course. But man, when this team is in full flight, they are fun to watch.
4: Well, just box score looking, there was a couple of numbers that I was like, is this number right? First of all, you just said it's six and three. I was like, oh, yeah, the Cowboys are only six and three. Why does it feel like they're better than that? Right. They they have the same record as the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seahawks. So that it doesn't quite compute. I think the Cowboys had more total
3: yardage in this game that the Steelers have had all year. So
4: Right. The other the other number is 640 yards, right? And 32 first downs. At one point in this game, the 640, 12 yards shy of the franchise record, Greg. Today, that is crazy. At one point in this game, it was 368 yards to 27. So there was the proverbial lipstick on what? a pick. What? What? That uh, Yeah, I know what? it was against what? the Giants, but he's been fantastic for four weeks. I don't know if he can keep this up the rest of the way, but for four weeks, 9.3 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns. I think he's. Been the best quarterback in the league for those four weeks.
3: I was going to say, I think... For those four weeks. In a wide-open year in this particular race, I think he is in the capital T, capital C convo for the MVP now because his numbers are starting to really get inflated. He's playing for a team that is fighting for a division. It's the Cowboys. And and I think he really has a chance here. And you saw some things. And again, you just don't want to get too crazy about it because the Giants are... They're more abundant. We know that
4: this is, this is They're the worst team in the NFL. I guess the Panthers are close, but
3: now with you have Tommy DeVito, at quarterback, in addition to all their other issues. And yes, I agree. Uh, they are the worst team in football, um, but they got big games. Yes. From CD lamb, who was a monster 11 for one fifty-one. Uh, but Brandon cooks came to life. They've been waiting all season for Brandon cooks to be that guy that gives their offense balance and somebody that could take the top off. 9 for 173 and a touch on 10 targets. Michael Gallup even got in the mix of two touchdown catches in this game. Jake Ferguson continues to flash as a real guy at tight end and someone that they can continue to build around. They're still waiting for Tony Pollard to come around, and that's starting to become a real issue, I think, for this team because even in this bloodbath where they nearly set the franchise record, he's averaging uh, 3.7 yards per carry Uh, Rico Doddle outgained him at a certain point they might have to start looking at a timeshare with Pollard to try to see if maybe there's a way to unlock him but that's a minor quibble everything else here tells you that the Cowboys have all the pieces to continue to build on this Texas coast offense
4: I think the last two weeks and, and the sham God pointed out in that highlight call shows why he's so good that Tyron Smith uh, locking down who, whoever was rushing the passer. The, the Giants defensive line has kind of fallen apart late the last two weeks after being good. Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith next to each other. The last two weeks, especially t- like two weeks ago, they were outstanding against Philadelphia. And Tyron Smith has been struggling with injuries. If they get him back to being, I'm not saying like H- Hall of Fame caliber Tyron Smith, but back to close to what he can be. And then Tyler Smith to me is one of the best young offensive linemen in the entire league. Those two guys next to each other on the left side, like you can build, like they got a lot to build around on offense, but that's another huge sort of weapon that they got. Like in this Cowboys team.
3: No, you kind of, you want to see that next big test for them. You know, like you want to see how they rise in that situation. And the Giants just want to wait. They just want the season to be over. They are very much in play for the top quarterback in the draft class. Uh, so i kinda
4: to look into this one you know what you just got we'll see go. we'll get to it just but it but i am tracking Tankathon, and there is a big giants patriots game coming up next uh next week you know after bill, the bill doesn't
3: want to lose to the giants
4: well neither team i think is trying to lose that's for sure but uh <laughs> all right well last one before sunday night
3: football let's head to germany where the international series came to an end. it was the i believe 50th international game for the nfl um wow. so they celebrated by sending Mac Jones to the people of Europe.
2: Fourth and one converse for the Patriots. The clock is moving on them, though. They're out of timeouts. And Zappi fakes. He fakes a blocking of the ball. He fires it upfield. Picked off by the Colts. Intercepted by Rodney Thomas. Bailey Zappi trying to get cute. He faked blocking the ball. Trying to catch the Colts off guard, then threw a laser over the middle, but it was picked off and snatched up by Rodney Thomas. Yes, sir. The Colts will take that. 31 seconds to go, and the Colts in Germany are gonna be victorious.
3: <laughs> Matt Taylor with a very enthusiastic call. Hey, you he got a free trip to Germany. It wasn't a beautiful game. But he got to call a win. For a five and five team. For a five-and-five five Colts team who. Uh, get there with a 10 to six win on, uh, over the Patriots, um, a Patriots team that has all sorts of quarterback questions coming out of this game. That was Bailey Zappi, uh, throwing a a fake spike interception. I don't know what was the funniest thing about it. The fact that he tried the fake spike or that he didn't recognize that, that nobody like noticed he really did it. So everyone in the secondary was in full coverage. And then he throws a balloon ball over the middle that never had any chance. And the reason he was in, uh, Greg, was because Mac Jones struggled mightily and threw maybe the worst pass of his career um, in the previous possession on what should have been a touchdown. Instead, it was an interception. And Belichick is so mad and frustrated, he benches his quarterback with one series to go with
4: one series. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I, I haven't. I mean, I'm sure it's happened and maybe I've even seen it, but I cannot remember a quarterback being benched for essentially a two minute drive to win the game. I mean, it's crazy, but I, you don't blame, I don't blame him at all. As bad as Bailey Zappi has looked in brief work this year, including the preseason, Mac Jones has just been too much for him. And, the offensive line was terrible pass protecting early in this game. I get it. That's part of it. You know, they were, they were without Trent Brown. But he just crumbled a handful of times this season where just like it, it all just became too much for him. And when you're short arming like a wide open Gasecki, the interception that you're talking about, when you're skying a throw that that could also could have been a touchdown pass to Hunter Henry. They actually moved the ball well. They had 340 yards in this game. It's one of the. It's weirdly one of their better offensive games of the year, I would say. And they Oh scored, my god, Greg! And they well, just because other New things. Field goals. Wow. Like, I, I'm just saying. They, I know what you mean. They it's... ran for 167, so they were actually doing something. They were moving the ball. They they looked like the better offense uh, on the day, despite their quarterback not being able to do anything. But Mac Jones is just like too much for him, and they had to take him out.
3: Here's Belichick after the. Game. You would think with the bye coming up. Um, the way that game ended that it might finally be Mac Jones running out of lives here. But here's what Belichick said after the game.
0: Yeah, uh, look. I made a decision. That's what it was. Um, we'll deal with it next week. next week. Do you still have faith with Mac Jones as your quarterback? I have faith in all our players.
3: Yeah, I mean, Bill, of course, isn't going to say anything because he never says anything. Um, But that benching Jones in that I way tells you everything. You need to know, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, next for the Patriots. But they are now two and seven, and uh, it will only continue to amplify uh, the talk about not just Mac Jones in the quarterback position, but Bill Belichick and what what his future holds with the team. This is another in a uh, you know a, a big spotlight game for the organization. It's you know me, Greg. I, I I I live for Patriots suffering after all the years of me suffering and everyone else suffering. Uh, But it has gotten to the point where when they were showing those cuts to Robert Kraft in his uh, luxury suite and he was looking uh, crestfallen and increasingly frustrated where it's not really surprising anymore because this just feels like this is now what the Patriots experience is and all that stuff, all the many years of greatness feel like they're already kind
4: of far in the rear view because they've had so many troubles in the last couple of years. Kraft really wanted this game. He made it clear. He said it publicly. I think he said it privately. Uh, He said he wanted this game to be a reset because this season's been so disappointing. Like he hadn't given up hope and they've been pushing to be the Germany team for a long time. They wanted to do this game. They've been working on it for a long time. And then, you know, Sebastian Vollmer's on the call uh, in Germany. He's a big, big uh, podcaster over there working for our buddy, Handsome Hank. Um, and, uh, And they have this game, which is the absolute bottom uh, uh, in the same game that they left J.C. Jackson home. Remember that one. Uh, Jack Jones was mysteriously benched for the first quarter plus again. Um, (laughs) They asked Mac Jones after the game why they didn't throw a Hail Mary on the final play of the first half, which was very curious. Instead, they had their biggest offensive play of the game to DeMario Douglas, and he said, that's a good question. No clue, which is like Mac Jones. So uh,
3: he threw a wide receiver screen with no trickery. It was just let's run out. It was Mario Douglas. It yeah. was their
4: biggest play of the game. It was their yeah. only play over twenty yards, uh, I believe. Definitely their only throw over twenty yards. And he said no clue, which is a little bit of the Mac Jones of last year. Yeah, there it their is. Their offensive line coach. I wish, you know, the best for him. He has a health issue, but he left the team earlier this week. Adrian Clem. So like, there's just like a lot happening. And um, I, I will remember this game because I, I watched the end of it with my entire family. You know, me and Walker, we're up in the, we're in the garage at 6.30. We're having fun. Like, we enjoyed it. We're not taking it too seriously. And when that play happened, it was great. The entire family actually burst out, like, in laughter. What? Like, no lie. When the zappy thing happened, because we were just, like, oh. it was so, we were just. Laughter? Favorite, because it was, it was legitimately funny. It was objective. People like me are laughing. You shouldn't be laughing I about it. I know, but it. we just were, like, <laughs> like, they've watched enough to know how bad it is. Yeah and uh, well, they don't know they're so, they, so young you know well kids. but this year this year's yeah. patriots ellis is not too involved but walker not so bad as they're just like this has got to go horribly what's going to happen then you get the fakes like the interception everyone just starts laughing just
3: just for me and for all the other people that you know did deal with the patriots greatness for so long let's hear the sentient power bottle zolak uh on the mac jones interception that Spelled the end of his Patriots career. It is for fun.
2: Absolute gift he gives the Colts. So it's not competitive. He had Gasicki running behind the defender. put it up in the back end zone. Step what's he looking, looking at?
4: at? <laughs> you gotta make a move, Bill. You Ooh. Make a
2: move. Bye weeks here.
4: Maybe, forget the bye week. Maybe Bill was listening to Scott. He's got to, He's listening to the broadcast good analysis good job Colts by the way you know I know Colts fans I mean let's not go too crazy all I'm saying is good job Shane Steichen you're five and five you don't you have no reason to be. That's good coaching. Jonathan Taylor, nice body control on that first touchdown. It was actually quite a nice run on a fourth down. That ended up being the difference of the game. You got Buckner. You got some pass rush. Like the fact they're Michael five. Michael Pittman's five, like, that should have been my touchdown. Right. You just, I'm saying if you're a Colts fan, you're like, hey, we got the coach. Hopefully we got the quarterback. We won't find out till next year. We're You know, we're doing some
3: things. Yeah. They're hanging around. And at the very least, uh, you, you know, they're playing for something after Thanksgiving. So uh, there you go. Let's uh, head to Sunday Night Football.
2: Final play of the game. No timeouts left. I never like this prevent defense. I would like to have a rush But I get it from the 44 Wilson back to throw Crosby spins him around Wilson being chased Crosby's got him back at the 40 Wilson's gonna heave to the end zone to our right Hits up in the air and it's batted down Nate Hobbs got his hands on it to knock it down at the goal line and the Raiders win at home 16-12 To get to 5-5 on the season!
3: Yes, the Las Vegas Raiders with Antonio Pierce leading the charge are somehow, someway in the thick of the AFC playoff race after another win sweeping the Meadowlands Meadowlands occupants Giants first in a blowout and then edging the Jets 16-12 when Zach Wilson's desperation, Hail Mary heave toward Garrett Wilson was broken up by Jets tight end Tyler Conklin. Nice play, bud. Um, and the Raiders improved the 4-1 and one at home, Greg. They are not an impressive team. This wasn't a pretty game, uh, but a battle of also-rans. runs. is the Raiders who have a pulse uh, as we head toward Thanksgiving and the Jets, who look like they're fading away.
4: Well, it's it's tough to separate these teams. And if they were in the NFC, you would feel like long term, they maybe have a better chance to make the playoffs. But they both only have five losses. So it still feels big at this point in the season. And you're just wondering, like, how do how do the Raiders win these games exactly? Because it's it's a rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, who's looked OK through two weeks, had a bad interception, but otherwise uh, some good plays. But no running back in the league dominates the ball more than Josh Jacobs. He has the highest percentage of plays of of, of anyone on any offense. And then today, Devontae Adams had a higher percentage of air yards in this game in terms of like the targets, 13 targets Mm -hmm. in this game and just like air yards, I think, of any receiver of any game this year. So it's like four different guys and uh, a lot of good speeches by Antonio Pierce and then Max Crosby. If there's one positive, I guess, about putting the Raiders in primetime so much, like so much, why so much? Mm. Uh, it has kind of been the, wow, Max Crosby is one of the best football players on earth and is just involved in every play. So uh, a nice couple of months for Max. Jackpot,
2: baby! Yeah,
4: you get, you get the Crosby show, and I think,
3: Josh Jacobs, you're starting to see now um, as the season you know has reached the halfway point. It took him a while to get going after that long holdout, but uh, he had some runs in this game, um, including a 40-yard run and that um, run where he carried... Jets defense for five or six yards. He also had a big fumble that uh, in the fourth quarter, where, when it looked like the Raiders were about to put the game away. But in general, he seems more like the player he was last year when he was the rushing champ. Uh, Devontae Adams uh, continues to be uh, far less productive than he was at any other time in his pr- career. But at least uh, he's in the mix in this game, six for 86. And,
4: and they it, only had 153 through the year.
3: Right. So, and, you know, going against a, a stout Jets defense, um, that that's going to play. So yeah, I think the Raiders on the Raiders side of the ball, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Aiden O'Connell is not, uh, you know, looking like CJ Stroud out there, but it gets a little bit messy at the bottom of the AFC playoff picture. And maybe this is one of those teams that hang around, even if nobody wants them around, um, on the jet side of things. Um, I could be mad. I could be, you know, screaming and cursing and, and, and and you know shaking my fists at the football gods about that last play because it really was a, a beautiful uh, scramble to get away from Max Crosby by Wilson to square his shoulders and then um, throw a beautiful ball to the end zone there and and Garrett Wilson really did come very close to it I'm not and it's not that's not a Joe Conklin and you can't blame him Tyler Conklin the Jet tight end he's just throwing his hands up too and he's the one that actually knocks it away from Garrett Wilson. And, and it would have been a miraculous win for the jets. And the reason I can't complain is the jets have already had a, a couple, two or three miraculous wins this year. Um, so you can't just expect them to keep on pulling a rabbit out of the hat. And you certainly can't expect the offense to make a big play when it counts. I mean, you it came down, uh, to that last throw, but really the jets had a chance here, uh, in their previous possession, uh, to truly take the game and, and steal it from the Raiders. Uh, And Zach Wilson stares down Alan Lazard and throws an interception to Robert Spillane that really kind of, for all intents and purposes, truly kind of buried the team. They did get it, do a good job getting it back. uh, The defense, Greg, but um, it's
4: the same story with this offense, which is gone. uh, What are we up to now? I think 35 drives, if my numbers are right, and 169 minutes of game time. Can that be right? So, I mean, it
3: sounds probably, I mean, but it is about 35 to 36 possessions now without a touchdown. And it just seems like the team's head is in the sand on this with the quarterback, uh, with the play caller, Nathaniel Hackett, with the personnel, uh, with the scheme, like they're not changing anything. And I wonder, Greg, how much of that is. And as the season slips away and they lose the tiebreaker now to the Raiders, they lose a the tiebreaker to the Chargers last week to conference losses. So very bad for their playoff hopes. How is How much is this is tied into the true boss of the organization, Aaron Rodgers, who again floated something in the, to NBC about a, a return? And it's like they want to just keep everything in place until he gets here to save us. And, and it's certainly no way to try to keep a season alive as it all starts to fade away.
4: Yeah, he said mid-December to Melissa, according to Melissa Stark, that that was the goal. And it's mid-November right now for those tracking. So he says he's about a month away, potentially. And so that would be you know, maybe their game against the commanders, which would be, you know, with only three weeks left in the season, most likely. PFT also put something out that it's more likely that he wouldn't be ready to OTAs for what it's worth. Um, I, I It's tough. This game is actually why they can't change off of it because I understand why they would leave this game thinking, oh man, we're not that far away. Now, on one hand, we haven't scored a freaking touchdown in almost three games 35 drives I think and yet Zach Wilson on those final two drives made some great throws <laughs> I mean to get the ball in position once they fell down a touch you know once Jacobs fumbled that ball and it was Jacobs's first fumble I think in 300 something touches so like that that's pretty rare that that would happen 346 straight t- touches without losing a fumble. And then he fumbled it. They get it. And you almost feel like, oh, the magic's happened again. Zach Wilson made some really good plays to move the ball down the field. Then he stares down the interception. Then he gets the ball back again. And I mean, that throw to Conklin, he had to set up the Hail Mary was incredible, too. So it's like you're seeing these little and flashes. The, and he started the game five for seven for 84 yards. And he almost ran in for a touchdown. This right. is actually one of Zach Wilson's best games of the season. And think about that, though. Right.
3: They didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. And yes, uh, he nearly had a touchdown scramble, but stepped out of bounds. And then they shoot themselves in the foot with penalties on that drive. He also had the no look pass to Alan Lazard uh, on that uh, penultimate drive that that r- he rattled at home because Lazard was trying almost to drop
4: the ball, but he held on to it. It was probably his third best game. He had that two game stretch where he looked OK. This one I was like, OK, but but, uh, but they also the, the defense only allowed two first downs in the first 25 minutes, Dan. And it was nine to three at that point. And the Jets had a chance, too, to go down and at least take the clock away at the end of the first half, and they couldn't do that. And it, like that's where they are not taking advantage, and they're asking the defense to do so much. They should have been up by two scores at halftime, and they kind of just frittered that part away, and that, that is on the offense.
3: Yeah, and it's the same thing I, I, I said last week and probably the week before. Like, the way this team is now set up, it is uh, the defense is to dominate, and it's not enough to just dominate. They also have to have takeaways that either produce points or set up the offense on a very short field. And And they
4: even did have two two turnovers, right? But they didn't have
3: the impact. Well, they actually did have one in the first half that set them up with a field goal. But unless the defense does something truly special or special teams, they're just not going to win games the way they are set up. Because in addition to uh, the Wilson struggles and the offensive line struggle, the running game now is stuck in mud. So it is, uh, To me, with the Giants, these are the two worst offenses in football. So if the Raiders fans right now are feeling uh, happy and and refreshed and renewed, that's good. That's great. You have something to root for. But also keep in mind the two offenses that you just played are quite possibly, along with the Patriots, possibly the worst offenses in football. So uh, we'll see what the Raiders look like when the competition jumps up a notch. Uh, But, yeah, they uh, have the Dolphins uh, next week. So that will be uh, a true test.
4: And the chiefs after that. So we'll see where they stand. I mean, the AFC that. is, is truly stupid. There are seven teams. There's that eight teams, you know, between the seven seed, which is Houston. Houston's five and four. Like we think of them as this great team and, and Cincinnati's five and four and Buffalo's five and four. So they haven't played tomorrow night, but there's seven teams that either have four or five losses, including the jets, including the Raiders, including the Denver Broncos, at least for one more day.
2: Mm, mm-mm.
4: I'm just like, Eight teams. I counted it wrong. Eight teams have either four or five losses. I mean, that is a big, fat middle of uh, a conference and then New England.
3: But, you know, if you're a Jets fan, you're disgusted because you thought home against the Chargers, uh, then you get the Raiders. This would have been your chance to kind of put yourself ahead of a lot of these teams. Instead, now you're kind of looking up at them. Uh, It's just very frustrating. And it's, I try to keep it in perspective, Greg, because I know in my heart, as soon as aaron Rodgers' achilles popped it was over and i said that i've said that um but they kind of sucked you in with some of those wins and, and made you think okay maybe this could be like a fun weird season and we're playing the, in the playoffs as a wild card but i feel like the last six days reality has struck and um it feels like midnight has struck which is which is also kind of sad because it wasn't exactly a cinderella story either it's, they've been a tough watch um uh for the most part this season but we kept on coming up with wins but now they're coming up with losses and that's just the
4: way it goes all right gotta just gotta hold the fort here till uh Aaron gets back but at Buffalo and then Miami the Knicks just had a
3: really good homestand they just beat up (laughs) on all three of their opponents so we got the Knicks um and we got
4: big Knicks Celtics game this week yeah
3: yeah, and the Yankees are Football doing is completely there. different just, than basketball. <laughs> this is a uh, pitcher that I'm excited about, and maybe we put, make a play for Otani. So there is you know there is hope, uh, just not about the football team. All right, uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday with the Monday Night Football recap and news rundown. Also, NFL Plus returns. Uh, our game of the week this week will be... texans Bengals. Pretty good. That'll be fun. So uh, make sure you're there for that until then thank you everybody for listening and uh nice sunday heed the
5: call